Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Bucknuts Happy Hour. We're here on Friday, September 16th, just a day before the Buckeyes take on Toledo and the Horseshoe for week three of the college football season. I'm uh, I'm here. This is more happy hour time than we've done the last few weeks. If you're watching live, we've got uh, we've got a nice beverage here that uh, we'll, we'll get more to that l- later. But if you are uh, if you're at home, if you're somewhere safe and, and you want to grab a beverage for this happy hour, feel free. We've got a couple guests that are going to join us here to, to kick things off. Um, the first I'm sure many of you remember from his time covering Ohio State, Kyle Rowland jumping in. He's now a, a member of the Toledo Beat for the Toledo Blade. And uh, Tim Hall, who joined us last week from the Buckeye Show on 97.1 The Fan. Tim, you must have had such a good good time coming to the happy hour last week. You decided to come back. Thanks for doing that. Kyle, thanks for joining us. Hope things are going well in Toledo. How, how you been? Good. Happy to see both of you guys. Yeah. Yeah, Timmy... Uh, Timmy, for, for people who haven't paid attention, Tim has me on on Fridays. Usually uh, we, we titled it the Buckeyes. Was it Beers and Buckeyes, Tim? Is that how we dubbed it? That's it, man. Thank you for remembering the name of your own segment. Yeah, I tried it. Well, I drink so much. That that's the problem. But uh, yeah, that kind of was the impetus behind doing this. Have a little bit more fun than your generic podcast. But do want to talk some Buckeyes. Do want to talk Toledo. Kyle, I wanted to ask you, though, first you spent a, a long time on this Ohio state beat. What's your favorite memory of covering the Buckeyes before we get into Toledo? I didn't prep you for this. So Ooh, man, up the top. I don't know. I mean, that is a wonderful question. Um, there's, there's so many, it's hard to single out one. Um, a lot of them also aren't appropriate. Uh, but no, I, I mean, the, the, I don't, I don't know if you're around for, I mean, the, the 2011 Gator bowl trip, uh, it was just like an all time, just an all time uh, week of just ridiculousness and shenanigans and a, a lot of great Steve Hellwagon and Kevin Noon and Jeff Svoboda stories. Um, but yeah, I mean, it it's the best beat in the world, man. Uh, just just so much fun. Was that when Jeff was on crutches? I, yeah, that sounds right. That, I, yeah. Yeah, I've heard some of those stories. Cool, cool. Well, let's get into this game a little bit. You you answered some questions for us earlier in the week, and Tim, I'll let you jump in and, and ask Kyle some questions too. But just overall, this this Toledo team, your kind of you know five thousand feet view of uh, of this team and what you think they can do this year, what maybe they can do in this game coming to, to coming to Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, I think they're a solid team. Uh, I think they're probably better than Arkansas State. I don't know if that necessarily, you know, translates to a closer game or anything like that. Um, but I, I, as I told you, I mean, I think they're an eight-win team. I think they're potentially a ten-win team, uh, depending on how things break, how much the offense gets going. Um, 
The defense is definitely the strength of the team. The offense isn't bad. It's just not, hasn't, you know, found its footing in the first two games. Uh, there is a lot of potential on offense. Uh, you know, perhaps they get some big plays against the Buckeyes on Saturday. Um, but I, I think it's a team that can push Ohio State for 30 minutes, uh, but 60 minutes I think is a big ask. Yeah, Kyle, that usually seems to be, you know, the the struggle for, you know, a Mac opponent or somebody in a, in a Sun Belt conference when they come into the shoe. It's, you know, some of these teams can hang for a little while, 30 minutes that covers half the football game, but then you kind of wear down. You mentioned a little bit about both sides of the of the of the football for the the Rockets right there. But if they are going to somehow stretch that 30 minutes into, say, 45 minutes, like if there was some recipe for them to do that, would it be through their quarterback making plays? Would it be Dallas Gant having a big game on defense? That's an interesting wrinkle to this game. What would it be? I think it starts with the defense for sure Um, because they're not going to score with Ohio State. I just – I don't see that happening. It's going to have to be semi-low scoring for Toledo to have a chance. Um, They've got a wonderful defensive line. I mean, I've said it'd be, I think, fourth or fifth best in the Big Ten. Um, Ohio State can still do damage against, you know, a D-line that good though. Um, But there is depth on that side of the ball. The linebackers are good. You already mentioned Dallas Gantt. He's been the leading tackler in each of the first two games for Toledo. Um, so I think it starts with defense, and then it's Daquan Finn, who's a true dual-threat quarterback, uh, maybe you know making some magic with his legs. It's Toledo. You know, Maybe it's a turnover or two. I think the most important time when you have a significant underdog or you know a MAC Big Ten game is the first quarter. Um, the the underdog needs to create some sort of momentum, gain some confidence, uh, whether it's a turnover or like a seven nothing lead, maybe try to silence the crowd a little bit. Um, because once you, you have a night game atmosphere where the crowd's really in it, um, you know, Penn State or Michigan might not get overwhelmed, but I think a Toledo would. Kyle, let me ask you this. I know that a team like Toledo gets a big paycheck to come into Ohio stadium. $1.8 million. In fact. Yeah. So, but (laughs) aside from that, from a football perspective, what does a team like Toledo get beneficial? You know, if this goes the way we all assume and Ohio state wins pretty handily, what does this team then take away from this to, to use in its max schedule the rest of the year? Yeah, that's good. I mean, number one, I mean, Toledo, the thing they don't want to have happen is guys get injured in a yeah. game like this. Uh, I, I think that's kind of their, their main goal. I mean, I know like there's the whole pie in the sky, you, you know, play to win the game, all that, but stay healthy and keep everyone in one piece is, is kind of their biggest uh, objective. Um, I mean, I, I don't think you want to get embarrassed for sure. I mean, Ohio state beat Miami, Ohio, 76 to five a few years ago, they beat Bowling green 77 to 10. You, you don't want that to happen because I think that can hurt your confidence, even though you're playing the number three team in the country. I, I just there's really nothing good that can come out of getting completely dominated. Um, so, I, I mean, you want the defense, which is their strength to to prove to themselves, hey, we can, you know, slow down a high powered offense like Ohio State from time to time. Um, and then you want, I guess, Daquan Finn to, to have some moments here and there. Um, but I don't, I mean, this game isn't going to be measured as a success or failure by Toledo's coaching staff, you know, based on a win or a loss. Kyle, you know, one of the things that we did on the show last night and fitting them in the the Brown studio here at at work at the station right now, but they played that Oh nine game in the Cleveland Brown stadium. Mm -hmm. And we had, we had gotten to talking about how Toledo Mm -hmm. You know, maybe more so than the other MAC programs, seems to hang with their bigger opponents on the schedule, maybe more than the rest of them. Like they are very competitive. They easily could have beaten Notre Dame last year. And it's funny when we were looking at that 09 game, one of the things in the write up was hey, this was a Toledo team that just beat Michigan the year before. If people mm-hmm. remember that, where Michigan kind of had their downtick and Toledo is beating them. So that that's that's saying a lot really is what, what do you think it is about the program? I mean, they've got some, 
they've got some NFL dudes that we know of. I mean, Bruce Gredkowski with you know 87 touchdown passes in three years. Kareem Hunt comes through there with Deontay Johnson just recently. So they've they've got dudes that that people are very familiar with that are in the league right now. Yeah, I mean, they had two draft picks last year. They'll have more than that next year. Um, most of them on that, that defense that we've talked about some. Uh, I mean, it's a proud program. They've got a rich tradition. Um, I mean, I, they're kind of one of the gold standard Mac programs, I guess you could say. Uh, I mean, Nick Saban came through there. Uh, Gary Pinkle is going in the College Football Hall of Fame this year. He, he was a great coach. Um, Matt Campbell, obviously at Iowa State now, he did a, a, a good job at Toledo. And, and Jason Candle has also, um, you know, done a fine job. They, they've underachieved the last couple of years. But I think that's the thing that's that's most interesting about Toledo is it's been different coaches. It's not like they just had some legendary guy who who won these games. I mean, in the last 20 years, they've beaten Penn State. They've beaten Michigan. They've beaten Arkansas, Iowa State, Purdue, Minnesota. Uh, in 2011, they probably should have beat Ohio State. Um, last year against Notre Dame, they had a great game. So um, they, they have talented rosters. And I think if you're talented enough, you can, if things break your way, you just, you, you never know. Um, I think one of the things that, that helps Ohio State Saturday, not that they need help and they probably would win regardless, but if it were a noon game and the crowd would be a little sleepier and maybe the players wouldn't be as amped for a Saturday game, that, that might play in Toledo's favor. Um, but I, I do think the night game factor kind of plays to Ohio State. On the I network, was... that's interesting too. Network for the first time ever, but over yeah. 118 national TV games. I mean, you got you get national TV games all year with the Maction package on ESPN with everybody just doing Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's they're used to to, to this type of type of thing. Um, so we'll see. But uh, you got the chip on the shoulder factor too with in-state guys at Toledo wish or, or think they should have been recruited by Ohio State. So it's definitely a storyline type game. I wanted to ask you both, and uh, if those people that are, are tuning in live, if you have questions for Kyle regarding Toledo, feel free to throw them in the comments. Uh, we'll get to some of the Ohio State questions. I saw some of those come in once once Kyle's done here. But this being a night game, just how surprising was that to both of you? I mean, when I saw that come out, it was like, with the Toledo game, that's going to be one of Ohio State's night games. Now they've done – they'll play three out of four to start the season at, at night. But it's just is a weird one to me to throw it on Fox at night. I mean, I don't know. I, I was shocked that this was a night game. What did you guys make of it? Yeah, I, I was surprised. Um, I will say, I mean, once they played Akron at night last year, I guess it just kind of seemed – I mean, yeah. there, there's just so many night games now you never really know. Um, but definitely was surprised. I mean, Toledo is very happy about it. I mean, they are appearing on network television for the first time ever. Um, they are going to have, I mean, four and a half, five million people are going to watch this game. They'll, they'll get eyeballs. Um, so for, for them, it's a, it's a big win as a football program, as an institution, things like that. Their commercial is going to be, you know, played during the broadcast and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, Ohio State Toledo on Fox National just doesn't seem like your normal, you know, night game. Yeah, I got to agree with both of you. It was a little surprising because you knew that, I mean, obviously we knew Notre Dame was always going to be a primetime season opener. And we've known about this we've known about this Toledo game being a primetime game for a yeah. while now. What did they announce this back in May? So this wasn't one of those where, you know, they walked it, you know, 2 weeks before kickoff and then said, "Hey, guess what?" And you're like, "Oh my god, really?" Like we found out with Wisconsin, I think that might even be even more surprising is knowing that we had this one as a primetime game. And then they said, how about two in a row? But you know, I know there's some purists out there. I know there's a lot of people, and myself included, that really just love the noon kickoff. There's just something crisp and cool about college football under the sunshine as the season starts to turn. There's just something beautiful about that. But Obviously, night games, they get revved up. And Kyle, like everything you're saying, this is great for Toledo. It's definitely great for the game in general. It's having it be two Ohio schools, Toledo being one of the better MAC programs that, that we've established, gives a little extra juice to the game. I don't think it's going to matter in the end end game with the result, but it does something for it. But yeah, maybe Pat equally surprised that they just said, you know, Wisconsin would be a primetime game because Toledo had already been a primetime game. Now, 
what else? You know, I think I think Penn State we knew probably couldn't because the World Series yeah. being right around when that is for Fox. So we were looking for other games to throw the Buckeyes under the lights. So here we are. We know they're going to do that as much as they can with with OSU. Yeah, well, and, and it's great for fans. I know fans love night games. Not great for us. You know, <laughs> Kyle, I assume you'll be there. We're working in the press box late. Tim, you've got the post-game show with Beam. Uh, you know, that means means a late night for, for those of us who are working. But, yeah, I think you're right that it will, uh, it will help rev up the fans. we got a question here, Kyle. Uh, Toledo, top four defense. Explain how that has happened. Obviously, the opponents haven't been anyone to write home about. But you talked about the D-line earlier. Just, just why is maybe this doesn't end up being a top four defense, but why is this defense as good as maybe advertised? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think it will end up a top four defense. That'd be that'd be something else. Um, I mean, part of it is obviously the opponents, but th- this wasn't like some unexpected thing. I mean, there was a lot of hype around Toledo's defense entering the season. They've been top thirty five nationally the last couple of years. Though I think they'll be top twenty by the end of the season. Um, Deswan Johnson, defensive lineman, he's he's a guy who just kind of eats ball carriers and quarterbacks. He's got four and a half tackles for loss the first two games. I think he had 14 and a half tackles for loss last year. So he's probably their best NFL prospect. Uh, Judge Culpepper, uh, uh, Penn State uh, transfer is another one of those D linemen. Edge rusher is Jamal Hines. I mean, those three guys are really good. And then Dallas Gantt, someone we've talked about already at linebacker. Deontay Johnson is another linebacker. Um, and, And the, Pass defense has been just outstanding so far. Part of that is because the quarterbacks they've played have been just horrendous. Um, but they, they've still taken care of business, and it, it is a solid unit. But Vince Karras is the defensive coordinator. He's the son of Larry Karras, the longtime Mount Union coach. Mm-hmm. And then Vince was actually the head coach there for, I want to say, like five or six years and, you know, had ambitions to go beyond that. And uh, – He's going to be a Big Ten defensive coordinator, I think, pretty soon. I mean, he's he's the real deal. I mean, Toledo's defense was just awful. I mean, one of the worst in the country for the last few years prior to him taking over in 2020, and he just flipped it, it you know, the snap of a finger. Um, so I think he has a very bright future ahead of him. Certainly interesting to see, you know, the challenge that is the Ohio State offense, which really kind of got cooking last week, especially the passing game. and. Yeah, they could get back Jackson Smith and Jigba this week. I wouldn't. I would actually be surprised if we don't see Jackson Smith and Jigba as long as the, the warm up goes well. But yeah, yeah, certainly a test. I would imagine to to go into the horseshoe and and kind of see what you can do against a, an offense like this. Is that kind of how they're viewing it? Yeah, I mean that was kind of my story today. Uh, I assume it's up on our website now. Um, I mean, I talked to Vince Karras uh, the other day and just said, you know, like, what do you think when you watch? Ohio State game film. And he was like, ah, I get a stomach ache. I get agitated. It's just not fun. Um, but I mean, I think he's got, you know, maybe the biggest challenge in all of college football this weekend is just trying to find a game plan to slow them down. Um, I mean, it, and you can play as good as you, you think. I mean, Toledo's defense could have played great for the first, you know, 24 minutes or whatever. And it's, it's 10 to seven late in the first half. And it's like, oh man, like we could be in this game. And then all of a sudden it's, 24 to seven at halftime. I mean, Ohio state, it just does not take that offense long uh, to get cooking. I mean, there can be three play drives, four play drives at the snap of a finger. Um, So major, major challenge. It's something they've embraced. The players are excited. Um, I mean, if, I mean, if you're a, a high level athlete and yeah, maybe Toledo's players, weren't as highly rated as Ohio State, or they may not be as good as Ohio State, but they're not going in thinking, ah, we don't have a chance, you know, we, we can't do this. You, you always believe in yourself. So uh, it's definitely something they're excited about. Tim, you got anything else for Kyle? Yeah, Kyle, I'm just wondering, you know, I know you pay attention to uh, that team up north a little bit more with the new gig. We seem to all try to want to wrap our heads around who these two teams are by week one, you know, like we've got, <laughs> they've ne- they're never going to play each other until the last game of the regular season, but we're constantly trying to dissect this and figure out what we got. And, you know, Ohio state beat Notre Dame, but then Notre Dame lost to Marshall. So that wins not as great, but look at the opponents that Michigan has played, maybe the two worst teams in FBS, but 
you pay attention maybe uh, a little bit closer. You watch watch the games or go back and rewatch them. What, what do you see? Like, how do you stack up the two teams so far? Yeah, well, I mean, before the season, I thought Ohio State won the national title. I mean, I still think that. I mean, yeah, maybe offensively they haven't been as impressive as I thought they would be. Or against Notre Dame, they haven't been. I mean, it's early in the season. You just know at some point Ohio State's offense is going to click. Um, that said, I mean, I, I do think Michigan's offense is going to be pretty solid this year. I mean, J.J. McCarthy is – Clearly the option there. I think he's way better than Cade McNamara. Um, yeah, but but the defense, I think Michigan's defense, I mean, it's not going to be what they had last year. But the schedule, I mean, that's kind of the story of Michigan. I mean, if you look at it, I thought Iowa was it was a going to be a really hard game for them at Iowa. I mean, my goodness, no Ooh. way. I mean, Ooh. I think they're going to probably be undefeated coming to the highest day game. I mean, it's just – I don't know. I don't. I don't see a whole lot of losses uh, on that schedule. I mean, inevitably, yeah, maybe you know someone will probably come up and surprise them, and that may happen to Ohio State even. Um, but it, it's a collision course once again, as it seems like it's been for about ten years now. Um, and it's it, it's so fun when you get to that Saturday in November. You just mentioned it there a little bit, and you mentioned it. If you haven't read it, Kyle uh, answered some questions for us on Bucknuts. You can go read his answers. That story went out just a little while ago, but you mentioned it both times. You think this is the number, this is the best team in the country, this Ohio State team. You obviously talked about the offense, but just overall from your kind of outside view of not in it every day, what, what makes you say that when there's Georgia's out there, Alabama obviously got the win last week, but you know, why Ohio State in your mind is the favorite for the national title? Yeah, I mean, certainly it starts with the offense. I mean, I just think, the skill positions, I mean, it's unreal. I mean, you've got C.J. Stroud, who's, you know, as good as any quarterback. You've got – you lost so much at wide receiver, and it didn't even matter. I mean, it just blows my mind how much talent there is in that wide receiver's room. Uh, and then we, we everyone knows Travion Henderson seems to be like the next great Ohio State running back. But Mayan Williams, I mean, is, is really good as well. So it seems like they're going to be fresh late in games at that position, which is a huge advantage, especially when you're in the Big Ten in November. Um, the offensive line, I, I don't know how, if it's been outstanding so far, but I, I think it's good enough. Yeah. Um, and then defensively, I've, I'm tempered a little bit on Ohio State's defense. I don't think it's, I don't think it's like the top 10 unit people think it might be. Um, but it clearly it's going to be better. I mean, there's just no way it's, it's not going to happen. Um, I mean, Jim Knowles is competent. Um, and I I just, it seems like they, they've got people playing in the right positions. They've got the right scheme, stuff like that. Uh, so I don't know, add it all up. And and I think they're the best team in the country. I mean, I'm just a big believer in Ryan day. I think he's uh, a brilliant mind and and he's going to find a way. Well, Kyle, I'll get you back out, get you out of here on this one. Um, and I think this is great from Ed Rogers. Why is there always road construction? <laughs> and uh, yeah, every year we drive through there on the way up to either Michigan or Michigan State. It, without fail, road construction. What can you do to fix the road construction in Toledo for us? That's a great question. Um, I mean, I feel like we say this about every city in Ohio. It's true. And, and, true. and I'm going to guess. What what about Columbus? Yeah. God, Dayton. ever since I moved here a decade ago, it's been nonstop. Oh, let's hit uh, the New Albany interstate. Let's <laughs> hit the Hilliard Rome I-70 West interstates. Let's blow up North High Street and 315 on 270. <laughs> now we're doing the nationwide children's area near downtown. Let's build a new ramp there. I-71 South, 315 South, right by downtown in the Bruins. We're talking about hell. Absolute oh. hell. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's Ohio thing. I think it's a missed Midwest thing. Yeah. I, I know this guy is just kidding around. Well, he's being partially serious, but I mean, isn't it all because the weather? I mean, you just have bad winters, you have bad roads. I just think that's kind of what it adds up to. Yeah, I think it's, but it's more, it's more about like at least in Columbus. I think they, the expansion caught up to us yeah. where it's become such a you know high high quality place to live where people move in. And the roads, I think they've seen like the highways. We we didn't build enough lanes or these on ramps, off ramps. Everyone, once you start getting 
like we, I would see this in Northern Virginia growing up of like the Springfield Franconia exit, where it was one of like the southernmost metro spots. And they would call it the mixing bowl. You just have these ramps that were 75 feet high up in the air. You know, it would take a mile to get off on like a, an I-95 north ramp or an exit ramp. We're doing a lot of those now. You're seeing these ramps get taller and taller. They're terrifying if you're afraid of heights. Like Tim, I think you have a future in ODOT. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is officially the the largest tangent in the short life of this podcast. So uh, I'm glad you guys were both here for it. Kyle, thanks a bunch for doing this. I know you're in demand, having uh, connected with with both the Ohio State beat and the Toledo beat right this week. So I appreciate you taking the time. Um, you'll be here tomorrow, right? You coming down? I will be there. I, I will see you in the press box. Are you bringing Briggs? He will be there as well. Good. I look forward to it. Did you Did you play golf today, Kyle? You're wearing I, golf clothes. Like I, I did. I didn't. Play I did. Was... How'd it go? It went very well. Very well. Ooh. Ooh. How, care to elaborate? I mean, I will, but I just the people watching this are just gonna be like, "Oh, this guy's bragging about it." I saw a 74 today, which is Woo. the lowest I've shot in a couple of years. So it was. Whoa! It was good. All right. All right. It's It's also happy hour, so you can brag a little bit. That's fine. Thanks again, Kyle. Fine. See you there tomorrow. I do again. I do really appreciate it. You were a big help this week. Absolutely. Fun time, guys. See you later. See you soon. See you, buddy. All right, Timmy. That was awesome having Kyle on. Um, He's always been great. He was great when he was here with 11 Warriors and, and some of the other beats he did here. And I appreciate him helping us out this week. Tim, how much time you got? I know you're a busy man too. You I got like ten, I got like ten minutes for you, right. Pat, and then I got some stuff we to do. On some Who knows? Maybe, maybe I want to go and sneak in nine holes before the show starts. I mean, you, you don't Look, know what's going on. If you can get out and golf, I will. I'm all for it. Uh, that's that's a big thing in your life. I am no golfer. Never never have been. Never will be. Been out there one time for a bachelor party. Didn't go well. I don't care to do it. Um, Question, another question from Ed Rogers. We'll hit on a couple questions while you're still here, Tim. Top four receivers in order. I assume this means when when everyone's healthy. And this also hits on uh, Sue's question about Julian and Jackson Smith and Jigba still game time decisions. Yeah, I think that's probably the case with those two. Um, from everything I've heard this week, I would be surprised, as I said earlier, if they don't play just to kind of get them ready. But especially with Jackson given that it's a hamstring issue, which is something that can certainly linger. If uh, if he goes out there to warm up and feels anything, I don't think they'll mess with it. But if he feels good to go, I think they'd rather get him out there, get this offense in a rhythm before Wisconsin next week. But anyway, top four receivers, I would say, obviously, Jackson. Before the season, I would have said Marvin Harrison. And then I would have put Julian Fleming ahead of Emeka Buka if healthy just because I think he's your prototypical outside receiver and a Mecca could be your backup slot behind Jackson. I would say now having seen these first two games, Julian, I would even put a Mecca ahead of Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison, and then Julian Fleming. What do you think, Tim? So you're putting Julian Fleming as the fourth right now. Yeah. If everyone's healthy. All right. Yeah. Well, we can play that game. I, st- I still don't know for sure if Julian Fleming even went healthy because we we honestly haven't seen it. So I've got to I've got to be able to see something with my eyes. I mean, we hear a lot of great things, but football is a sport where you've got to have some good fortune with your health so you can actually go out there and perform. If you can't do that, I mean, what what ultimately are are you going to be? He's got to be able to put something on film, and I really hope so for the young man because he's he's got an NFL future if he can do it. But so far, I think you've got to look at the fourth guy as being Xavier Johnson. And what a, what a great story that has been. I mean, the three, you said, obviously in no particular order, Jackson, Smith and Jigba, uh, Emeka Ibuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. Without a doubt. I mean, Marvin just had the three touchdown game. I think a lot of people were banking big. Second guy ever to have. Yeah, kid started three games. He's got six touchdowns in two yep. of those. Yep. Second guy ever to have what? Multiple three touchdown games. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So that's that's brilliant stuff. We kind of knew 
with his athleticism, his size, his speed, what he'd been working on in the offseason, how every time we'd see a picture of the guy, he's just like chiseled by the Greek gods. So we knew that was coming from Marvin Harrison Jr. But for right now, currently, I'd like to you know give that fourth spot to Xavier Johnson because he's earned it. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I, I think you can definitely, you know, he's definitely going to play more this season, even when everyone's healthy. He's part sure of that rotation. And we heard about him a lot. He just, you know, he didn't get on the field. And now he's at his opportunity. He may be the biggest benefactor of these injuries because you knew Mecca Buka and Marvin Harrison were going to play. Maybe they got a little bit bigger roles because of these injuries, but they, they certainly were going to be out there. So Xavier Johnson has had his shot. And, you know, I mean, even if what he leaves Ohio State with, one touchdown that touchdown being the game-winning touchdown against Notre Dame even if this is a bad Notre Dame team this year that's a memory he can talk about for the rest of his life as a former walk-on on this team what what a play to make a hundred percent I mean you said it man he didn't and I, I agree with you I don't think he's done making impact plays no. especially no matter what happens with the wide receivers this guy is great on kick coverage He's a great special teams player, and he might want to continue to invest a lot of time and effort into that because you can play at a higher level if you can be an incredible special teamer. But, yeah, man, to have to have that moment against that team, the go-ahead touchdown when you're trailing by a field goal late third quarter, somebody's got to step up and make a play. It had been difficult for the sputtering offense all night. And he's the guy to do it. I mean, that's honestly, right? I mean, you're telling the grandkids about that one one day. Yeah, and I mean, if you go back and, and really kind of look at it, it was a three-play series. He had the catch before that. He had the touchdown. And then he had the tackle inside. I think it was yeah. inside the 15. Inside the 15, the close to yeah. the 10, where he brought that dude down. Yeah. Most walk-ons do not have a three-play series like that. This no. is a, not a question, but an interesting, interesting conversation. We could probably do a whole podcast on this, but – uh, Brad says he had a big debate at work. Most underrated player ever at Ohio State. He said JT Barrett and then made the point that he is top 10 all time in total yards in college football history. I assume Brad's right here. I haven't fact checked this, but uh, I know I know this is one you probably would need to go back and look and prepare for. But if you're just talking uh, off the top of your head, yeah, underrated players in Ohio State history, JT Barrett's got to be up there. I mean, you know. I feel like he gets talked about for the negatives more often than he gets talked about for the positives when you talk to fans a lot of times. Yeah, that is true. I guess it's all a matter of uh, that. That is part of the debate in itself, right? Is would you consider JT Barrett as a guy that can qualify for being underrated because he's your all time leading touchdown guy here at this. And it's not even close when you look at total touchdowns. And as he writes in there, uh, no, I did not know that. I did not know that right off the top of my head, but that's not surprising because you just don't see quarterbacks that are good enough to earn the QB1 job here at Ohio State so early on, and an injury had to happen for him to even get the opportunity so early on. So a special circumstance had to happen then for a door to open for these stats to even happen, and then B... He's not quite good enough, doesn't have the arm strength, the size, the stature to leave early to go into the NFL. And he exhausted his eligibility, and he still wasn't drafted. So that, I think, is really just extremely rare. And it's, it's what makes this season with C.J. Stroud so interesting because he's such a high-level player and has a cannon for an arm, and he's just got so much rhythm and, and just this sense of smoothness to his game. He could possibly catch it he'd have to go nuclear and go for 60 touchdowns so he'd have to start spitting out five touchdown pass performances game after game and with the notre dame game only having two touchdowns dare dare i say he's off to a slow start even yeah. with six touchdown passes through two games but i don't know i don't know if i'd call him underrated i it, a guy just popped in because i was watching him last night in the league and i would i would say that he was underrated as a buckeye and he's still underrated as a pro and that's Corey Lindsley. And I don't know. I didn't he, I didn't know uh, if you saw an update to his knee injury, but he didn't come back in the Thursday nighter. The Chiefs beat the Chargers. But uh, he's been a friend of the Buckeye show and an all-around good dude. And I think – I don't know what people's memories are because he was kind of one of those transitional Tress guys to the Urban Meyer teams. And he left just before they won the national championship. 
and I think it was one of the one of the Bourne brothers that centered that yes. 2014 team. But man, Corey Lindsley was a hell of a player, and I don't think he won the Remington Award, but he's been handsomely rewarded for his skills in the league, yeah. being Aaron Rodgers center. And at the time, he got the richest deal in NFL history for a center. And I think the one of the last dudes might have just eclipsed that, but he's still he's doing fine. People notice that he just didn't get a lot of ink or talk. Yeah. Well, you said you think he still might be a little underrated in the NFL, not by I the do. people paying him. They're, they're, they they recognize how good he is, the, the Chargers, that is. Um, I just checked it. C.J. Stroud, you mentioned only six touchdown passes. That's tied for 10th best in the country. So, you know, not too shabby. Is it really? Start is of it really? Okay. Yeah, the most is Drake May at North Carolina. He's got 11. And uh, – Three guys have nine, five or six have seven. So, you know, CJ's right there. I think he's going to be fine. Everybody's going to have that one game where they don't put up huge numbers. I mean, even Bryce Young, who won the Heisman last year, had that Auburn game where, yeah, he helped win it late, but he wasn't good in the game. You know, the numbers didn't look great afterwards. So I think CJ's CJ's in a good spot. Will he break yeah, that record? Probably CJ, not. CJ didn't have what you could even call a bad game against Notre Dame. So no, no. You just look at it's look at what the plays he made in the look at the plays he made in the fourth quarter, the throws he was making on the run. He didn't have a turnover. So I'm sorry. I mean, like Joe Burrow had a bad game. Yeah. Like that was a shit game that he had. Like that was and I love how confident he is too, because he can just brush it off. He can just move right past it. But four interceptions and a lost fumble, that's a bad game. CJ, you're not allowed to say that that was a bad game from him, no. from Notre Dame. That was actually a good game from him. Yeah. No, CJ actually said, look, I completed 71% of my passes. Yeah, yeah. He knows, he knows he did fine. He knows he has things to work on. Yeah. All right, Tim, let me ask you this before you get out of here. Um, I wanted to ask Kyle this, but I didn't want to hold him too long. I thought he'd have an interesting perspective. But these these teams that Ohio State plays early in the non-conference, the non-marquee games, you saw it last week with – Arkansas State, and you're going to see it a little bit with Toledo, the transfer portal has changed the game for those teams. I mean, they have so many guys that played Power 5 on that Arkansas State roster last year or last week that I think you have to judge these games a little differently, in, in my mind. Like, people were upset that, you know, they, they didn't beat Arkansas State by more. And I'm looking through the roster, and, you know, their receiver who went off was at Oregon State. I mean, I know he's undersized. Yeah, champ. Yeah, champ Fleming's. He's he's a good enough player to be playing at a program like that. And, you know, it didn't work out for one reason or another. Their quarterback played for four years at Florida State. This isn't, the, you know, the MAC teams yep. or whatever of old. I think we have to change our perspective on what we expect from Ohio State and other teams when they play these teams now because the transfer portal has changed. Hey, no overdraft yeah, um, so, sorry, cut out on you at the, at, the, at the last second. But, yeah, to what you were talking about on – the transfer portal. We we talked about Dallas Gant already, and we know how, w- what a good player yeah. he is. Toledo's quarterback's a Toledo-made guy. So looking at Daquan Finn, he's he's stuck around the Rockets. But yeah, you will be able to look up and down the roster and find guys that have Power Five experience. I mean, you know, talking about their Penn State transfer that Kyle was telling yeah. us about. It's a really talented defense, and you know, we're gonna you know. Probably a lot of the Ohio State fans that are listening in or watching this aren't going to go and pay too close attention to Toledo the rest of the year. But I might be curious to see what becomes of them. I kind of am always curious to see what becomes of Ohio State's opponents. They're at least worth checking the box score and finding out what they did win loss wise, because if they do become, like he said, a nine or possibly a 10 win team, that that's something that turns out to be not such a bad game on your schedule as far as, you know, if you're going to schedule an Ohio Mac, you would theoretically like them to go on and have a good season and maybe win their division and show up in the the Mac championship game in Detroit. But I, I'm with you, Pat. You know, I didn't know maybe five years ago if it would get to this point, you know, because you and I being big college basketball fans as well, yeah, that affects that game in such a heavy way. I mean, a heavier than football, like because of, how you can impact with just, you know, two or three players that jump onto your roster in the sport of basketball. And then those guys can take, you know, 27 to 32 minutes if they're big time players. And you go to a place like Loyola, Chicago, maybe you're in a slightly lower conference, but I think you and I agree there's some great hoops being played in a lot of the conferences, not just the power leagues, but it's, 
it, it could wind up slowly, but year by year, a little trickle effect to where some of these lower division, not in the lower division, but lower conference level football teams can can do it too. I mean, and, and honestly, we're we've seen it. it. It's not like we we don't see Marshall beat Notre Dame. You know, yeah. we don't see App State step up to a different division and float so quickly. That may be, uh, you know, the bigger sign, you know, of what's going on out there and how many players are good football players that are looking for places to play is that App State can jump up a division, even though they were a, you know, national championship program at the FCS level. They're not just competing, they're beating big time teams. And I'll be looking to see if James Madison, one of a Virginia school that I care about, can do that too, because they just jumped up from the FCS to, uh, FBS. They'll they'll get to play App State here in in, in yeah. a couple of weeks or so. But yeah, it's it, it's interesting, Pat. You got to be careful every time you go out. Every single Saturday, and I think Ryan Day always has a great approach about that. He used that analogy this week about how you know just because you know, you've got the the greatest piano player in the world here. If I wind up catching him in a dive bar in New York or something, I'm not going to expect him to suck. I'm sure he's still going to. Right play a pretty awesome little gig, you know, no matter what the no matter who's out there, who's watching or in Ohio State's case, no matter who the opponent is, go out there and play your game and put some points up and the defense, the defense should have so much to be excited for about another game on the schedule before Big Ten play. They need some turnovers, man. Yeah. They need to go and get some takeaways. That should be a thing one for them to do. Well, it's interesting because and and I, it was either Ryan Day or Jim Knowles said it this week. If if you do put too much stress on that, then you're trying to m- get takeaways and you can give up other things. But yeah, I mean, I think they've played well enough that they definitely should have had some turnovers at this point. There, there hasn't been like a clear one, like a dropped interception or a fumble that they just didn't get to yet either. Right. So, yeah. You know, it just I, hasn't happened. Right. So I think it'll come. I mean, I'm not worried about that. I, you know, I think they're playing good defense. Yeah, me too. If you don't give up touchdowns, that's fine too. Yeah. That's okay. No touchdowns given up. Start with that. That's that's. Uh, I, I'll take that back. That's thing one. Don't yeah. give up touchdowns. Then if you're not going to do that, then you got to create some havoc and don't miss the opportunities. I think that's the key thing. If you have one that's right in your bread basket, catch the football. Don't miss those easy opportunities to scoop a fumble or pick the ball off when it's right to you. What's your score prediction tomorrow? How do you see this plan out? I, I actually have them covering this one, right? It's time. And I'm no disrespect to Toledo, but I don't think that's that's too big of an ask for you know Ohio State to win this one by 35. I mean that and I'm giving up three points right there with the spread being at 32. So I can I can go with another 45 to 10. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna lock that in right here with you right now. And uh, we'll discuss it a little bit later on too, but yeah, 45 to 10 Buckeyes win. Yeah. I picked right at the spread. So I was right at 32 points. I think I said 47, 15 or something like that. So a push technically, but um, that's just how it worked out when I was doing my very basic calculations. All right, Tim, go do what you need to do. I'll be on your show in a little while. If you're, if you're looking for more Buckeye talk with Tim and I, if this wasn't enough for you, um, I'll be on the Buckeye show later tonight. You can catch us on there. Uh, what what time will that air? What time are we doing this? We'll uh, we'll do this at about uh, six thirteen or right. so, six fourteen tonight. Time for yeah, yeah, yeah. Break a little early because, of course, we got high school football coverage tonight. So we got a great game coming up for the people. Tyvis Powell and Maddie Andrews, uh, big wall night game tonight. So it'll be awesome. All right. Well, I won't drink too many of these before I get on. So I'll still, oh, man. my words. I just have my water cup here at work. Sad. Right. But I, I am going, Hey, crooked can tonight, about six 45, right. Right after the show, I'm heading straight out there, man. You know, that's one of my favorite spots. I wish I could join you, but I have to go to the Clippers game. That's right. right. That's right. You got a friend singing the national anthem. How yeah. cool is that? It's, it should be pretty cool. I'm pretty excited about it. Excited for her. Um, all right, get out of here, get what you need to cool. do. I'll talk to you in a little bit. Thanks again. I do appreciate you coming on. So I'm not just talking to myself the whole time. (laughs) You certainly make this an easier, easier podcast to do. And I think you had some good questions for Kyle. So I'll talk to you in a little bit. I'll be watching these last 10 or 12 minutes very closely to see how you do all by yourself. All right. I appreciate that. Give me a, you can give me a grade later. I will. It's already an F buddy. (laughs) Sounds good. Oh, you're an A. You're an easy A. That's, that's quite a range there. 
it's a curve. I'll, I'll talk to you later. See you, bud. All right, let's let's uh, let's finish up here with some Buckeye specific talk. Obviously, we have this game against Toledo. We've talked a lot about that one, but looking ahead, Ohio State plays Wisconsin in a week. That's the start of Big Ten play. And I want to know if you're watching live here, how comfortable are you with this Buckeye team right now? Because you're going into Big Ten play, you you got to be ready to go. We obviously Ohio State is is the favorite in the Big Ten. They'll be favorites in probably every single game they play. So are you confident, though, that this Buckeye team is ready for Big Ten football? And I am. I wouldn't put my confidence at a 10 out of 10. Um, I do think that based on what I've seen across the Big Ten, the Buckeyes should, shouldn't have issues with any of these teams. But I, there are a few things I'm still looking at when you go into Big Ten play. One is the offensive line, and I want to see – on Saturday against Toledo, I want to see holes open up for these running backs. It happens at times. It's just not happening enough for me. And I go back to the Notre Dame game, and I liked what we saw in the second half. I just want to see it consistently. I want these guys to be able to run five yards without getting touched. And and I know that's asking a lot, but when you're playing a team like Arkansas State last week, when you're playing Toledo this week, that's the thing where I think you need to be blowing guys off the ball with this offensive line, who I think has done a really good job in pass coverage again, or pass protection again. I think you – I just want to see that this week, and then I will feel more comfortable going into a game next week from a Buckeye perspective against uh, a team like Wisconsin. You know, down the road, you're playing Penn State, you're playing Michigan State, you're playing Michigan. I I need to see this offensive line in the run game just be a bit more dominant. Um, the other thing I want to see, and I think this is an obvious one, I want to see this offense at 100%. I want to see Jackson Smith and Jigba out there. I want to see Julian Fleming. If Cameron Babb is, is really part of this six-man rotation, as Brian Hartline has told us, I want to see him get out there and, and play if he's actually going to be able to, to you know, have a role on this team. I think that being able to have a game where you've got all your weapons, CJ Stroud can, can throw it to whoever, Ryan Day can call whatever play he wants in a playbook, even though you don't need to against a team like Toledo, I just want to see it happen um, to, to feel confident because – that Notre Dame game, Jackson Smith and Jigba, even before he got hurt or when he was coming back in, just didn't he didn't look the Jackson Smith and Jigba we expect. So I'd like to see this offense full go. And Tim touched on it before he jumped off. It's the turnovers for the defense. I think that's the other thing that I'm really looking for before you get into Big Ten play. I think you need to have those turnovers because you know that can that can change a big game. If you get in a dogfight, say against Penn State, just using Penn State as an example. We've seen it before. That can change a game. Um, I was really happy, speaking of game-changing plays, to see Mecca Buka return a punt for a touchdown last week. I know it didn't count. Um, two penalties, so even if Taraj Mitchell doesn't jump over the the, the line there um, to try and block it, there was a holding penalty on it, I believe. But just to see Mecca Buka, that's another game-changing type of play. But to see him take one back, and if he missed it, on Wednesday night, and, and Ryan Day talked about it on Thursday, Chip Trainum, the linebacker, the transfer from uh, Arizona State, played running back at Arizona State. He's the guy back returning kicks. He was back there last week. That was Igmeka Buka's situation. He moved out of that because he's doing punts now with Julian or with Jackson Smith and Jigba out. So they are really high on Chip Trainum, a linebacker, but also a former running back returning kicks. So I'm going to be interested to see that. But those are the three things that I want to see on from Ohio State this week to make me feel comfortable. Josh Crystal Ross says he's an eight out of ten confident in Ohio State going to going into Big Ten play. I think that's pretty good. Um, you know, I think that if you you know to start conference play, especially against a Wisconsin team that while they will certainly present challenges, and we'll get into that next week, but they aren't uh, probably the juggernaut that maybe people thought they were. Lost last week to Washington State. I think it. I think that you feel pretty good here. Mike says, Brandon Allen looks like a monster. Need linebackers to stop the run versus Wisconsin. Yeah, that's absolutely going to be key against the Badgers. And I'd like to see the Buckeye defense. You know, you're, you're going to face a team that's very different this week in Toledo with a mobile quarterback. He's their leading rusher. But if you can just keep those rushing yards down, I think you feel a lot better going in after, uh, after that. Sue says, 
We're only 40 on offense. I assume you mean in the, the national rankings. Yeah, I mean, you play Notre Dame week one. Um, yes, Notre Dame did lose to Marshall. We'll, we'll, obviously, that plays a part in it. But you play a top team like that week one, I think your numbers are going to come down a little bit just because it, you know, no preseason. You go out there, you lose Jackson Smith and Jigbo, which I think was huge for because of that game plan. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not too worried about this offense, as I've said plenty of times. I think they will get everything figured out. I thought last week was a really good sign for the passing game. The running game still put up numbers, even though it wasn't the cleanest situation. So um, I'm not worried about the offense. I think they'll be fine. Ryan Day has proven time and time again he can figure it out offensively, even if they have to do some different things. Uh, Darren Dorsey, really eager to see Chip return because the needed skill set Day feels is best, greatly different from mine. Different from mine, too. Uh, I am not your typical return guy either. But, yeah, I'm interested to see it. He didn't get a chance to return him last week um, just because of the touchbacks. You know, they've, they've talked about how athletic he is, chip train him. It's, it's, it's the type of guy that they can do it, even though he is a linebacker and you usually don't see that. He's fast. He's strong. Um, you know, he's a guy who, who can break some tackles, make guys miss from, from everything we've heard. Igmeka Buka was really talking him up. If you missed that, the, the video's on our site. Um, you know, I, I think that that's going to be very interesting and, you know, it is unorthodox to have a linebacker back there, but I certainly think, uh, you know, they've done their homework. They're not just sticking a guy back there to stick it back there. They have plenty of guys that could return kicks. I imagine with the receivers and the defensive backs that they've got on this team. So putting him back there and, and he's a guy who could be in the game if, if somebody gets hurt. Uh, so, you know, we're certainly going to, uh, certainly hopeful to see him return kicks Larry says, we're comparing this team that played in the Rose Bowl with a full season under their belt. We should compare them to the team after the Oregon game. I agree entirely. Two weeks into the season is too early to compare a team like this Ohio State team to a team that's a, a finished product at the end of the year. I think that's spot on. I've used the comparison a couple times uh, the last week or so. Think about 2014. Ohio State obviously loses to Virginia Tech in week two. Dropped to number 22. I think they were number eight going into that game. No one's talking about the Buckeyes for most of the rest of that season. Really wasn't until that Michigan State win in East Lansing where the Buckeyes really got back on the national scene. People started talking about them again. Obviously, you know the rest of the story. Go on to win the Big Ten. Go on to win the national championship. Fast forward to 2015. Two weeks into the season, Buckeyes are number one. The talk was this is maybe the best team ever, the best talent assembled, da-da-da-da-da, whatever you want to say. I mean, it might might have been, but that team didn't even make the college football playoff. One loss, that Michigan State loss, kept them out of the playoffs. So, you know, those are two examples of teams after week two where the, the narrative around the team did not fit this team at the end of the year. And I think that that's something to keep in mind when, when you're evaluating this. I talked to a number of different friends of mine who are diehard Buckeye fans, some of them more rational than others that, uh, you know, some of them are, are, are a little freaked out by these first two games. And I, you know, first of all, Ask teams around the country, ask Texas A&M, ask Notre Dame, you know, even ask an Alabama who is 2-0, but had that scare against Texas. Ohio State is in a place where a lot of teams would like to be. Two wins, pretty comfortable wins. I know the Notre Dame game, they're trailing at halftime, but I was never very concerned for Ohio State in that one. I thought a lot of things didn't go their way in that first half. They obviously went on to, to handle things. So, yeah, I think two weeks in, I'm fine with where the Buckeyes are at. I think it's too early to really make any sweeping evaluations on this team. They, they're just, you know, they're still a work in progress, especially with this defense. If this was a defense that was a returning as many people as they were and had a defensive coordinator back and, you know, they were still making some of the mistakes they would, I would be a bit more concerned, but they're still installing things. They're still learning this defense. You know, it's only been one off season I mean, look at what, and granted it was different personnel, but look how long it took at Oklahoma State for this defense to be even as good as Ohio State's defense has been, at least statistically right now. So I think the Buckeyes are probably ahead of schedule there and, and you know, working to get better every week. I think with each passing week, they get more on film, they get more that they can break down. I think this defense is just going to get better. And, you know, you get a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba added back into your offense, whether it's this week or next week or whenever, that's, that's a pretty big uh, player to have. And, and Ryan Day and some other guys have said this past week and, and the week before how big uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is for this offense, just because he can do so many things. You can play him on the outside. You can play him in the slot. It opens a lot of things up for them. 
And, you know, as good as Mecca Buka and Marvin Harrison have been, Jackson Smith and Jigba may be the best receiver in the country. So we'll, we'll see. I'm Again, I'm not concerned two weeks in. We'll end this here shortly. So if you have any other questions, get them in there. But uh, Yakov22, do you expect a near-capacity crowd tomorrow? I don't know. Um, I was actually pleasantly surprised with, with what the crowd was. I think it was 101,000 was the announced, 101,000 something was the announced attendance last week. Pretty good crowd for a noon game against Arkansas State. It got loud in there at times. I thought, uh, you know, I, I was surprised with that. Obviously, being a night game certainly helps this week. Um, you know, it is Toledo. So, you know, I don't expect the Notre Dame atmosphere at all. But, uh, you know, I, I think that you could definitely have a, a pretty good crowd. I think people are excited about this bucket team. I really do. And, you know, maybe playing an in-state opponent like Toledo, too. You get people that you know, grew up Ohio State fans but went to Toledo or from Toledo and Ohio State fans that are going to make the trip down that maybe wouldn't normally or, or something like that. So, yeah, I, th- I would expect a, a pretty good crowd for for a game against, you know, a MAC opponent. Um, Darren Dorsey here says, feels as long as OSU can stay out of sh- short and goal, third and four, uh, fourth and goal, they're not, they're not as good. Still not shown the ability to stop short power consistently. Yeah, I mean, they haven't really had the opportunity. Notre Dame did some of that, but Wisconsin's going to be their test there, right? Can this defense, uh, you know, handle that type of situation? We'll, we will see. I'm not sure that we can fairly evaluate this defense. I think you can look at the defense and say, okay, they're doing this, they're doing this. These are things they weren't doing last year. Guys are running the ball. For the most part, they're tackling. Penalties are still a problem, but most guys are turning their heads, making the right plays as, as in terms of defensive backs. You know, you can you can judge that. I think we'll really get a better sense once they start playing better opponents. Um, you know, I wish we could say Notre Dame was was a good measuring stick, but it clearly doesn't look like it is. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Yakov asked um, if I'm surprised that uh, it won't be at least until Michigan State that Ohio State will play Big Noon on Fox. Yeah, a little bit just because of how many times they've played Big Noon the past few years. Um, you know, I got pretty used to getting home at six, seven o'clock after working in the press box instead of, uh, you know, two, three in the morning. Like it's been two. Well, it will be three out of the first four games. Um, you know, that's what uh, that's the tough part about about being a, a beat writer here is is you got to stay late when there's late games. But yeah, I mean, it you know, we'll see on some of the games they, they could do. Um, I don't have the schedule up in front of me, but yeah, it could be until Michigan state. Honestly, I hope Michigan state is a noon game because getting out of there later in the day is, is kind of a pain getting back to Columbus, not a long drive, but not a fun drive either. Um, so yeah, we're going to wrap it up here. I appreciate everyone tuning in that watch live. I appreciate those that, that are listening to the podcast after the fact, Kyle Rowland, appreciate him jumping on. I know he was busy. He was on, a number of different podcasts, radio things this week in Columbus, because he obviously has the connections back here to this Ohio state beat. So taking time to help us do this podcast and Tim Hall stopping by another fun, happy hour here um, with, with Bucknuts. If you haven't, we have a ton of coverage over on the site. Please go check that stuff out. Obviously if, if you're into the recruiting and, and want some insider details on things, become a Bucknuts subscriber. I promise you, you won't be disappointed with that. Stay tuned this weekend. We'll have plenty of stuff. I still have a couple more stories before the game on Saturday. So I assume uh, our other guys, Dave and Steve, have stuff coming as well. We'll have you covered throughout the game. Saturday night, Toledo, primetime on Fox at Ohio Stadium. I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure you guys are. Again, thank you. Like, subscribe, do all that good stuff. And uh, cheers. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.